Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, TC. How's everybody doing? All right. They're getting desperate. They got the old goat up here today, but we're going to try and uh, keep going. But uh, before we get started, can uh, we give a shout out to our lead pastor, Pastor Brad and Ashley and uh, the pastoral staff and all of this team and all of our, all of you, man, it's just amazing to see what God is doing to be a part of it. And uh, we're excited. But this series, uh, Sex, Sushi, and Subtitles, uh, we were joking the other day, Pastor Brad, in one of our staff meetings, he said, Dad, you ever think you'd be preaching in a series called Sex, Sushi, and Subtitles? I said, uh, yeah, that sushi part's new to me, you know? And, uh, but anyway, some of you got it. But anyway, but uh, seriously, Pastor Brad asked if we'd kind of close out this series and talk about long-term marriage. Uh, amazing information that we have received over these last weeks. How many of this, the messages Pastor Brad has bought has, has really been life-changing for your marriage? Anybody join? Kathy and I have gone home and just really dissected the things that he shared, and we've been married 43 years this July. And so, um, and, and we dated six years before that. So um, uh, many people ask me, and some of you have heard this, but um, uh, it'll help you understand the message. I've got to quickly go, so we've got a lot of points covered today. But I was 16 years old, and my friend Rex Guy and I were, were asked to, to be the announcers at a Little League uh, All-Star State tournament. Thousands of people were out there, and uh, I was sitting up in the box, 16 years old, you know, hormones flying out the window, and and uh, this girl come walking in. We saw her from up there, and she had on white shorts, red top, tan legs, long blonde hair. And I looked over at Rex, and I said, dude, check out the blonde and the white shorts. And I forgot to turn my mic off. <laughs> and uh, it was her, that beautiful wife over there, 43 years. And uh, later on, they introduced me to her. She was 14. I was 16. We dated six years. July, we'll be married 43. And so we, we know a little bit about marriage, and we know a little bit about working through marriage. And so uh, I want to just talk to you really simple today, it's nothing major, deep theology, but seven points that uh, I teach a class in a pipeline called the Seven Irrefutable Laws of the Harvest. The Bible speaks consistently on the laws of agriculture, the laws of the harvest, sowing and reaping in multiple ways. And Pastor Brad asked me to bring that into the marriage-type relationship and use it in that form. But I want to start off with this. Number one, Kathy and I made an agreement when we got married, she was 20, I was 21, that divorce would never, ever, ever be used in our vocabulary, in our relationship. And in 43 years, I can tell you, it has never been used one time because it is not an option to us. And you should never use terms that are not options in your relationship. And number two is that in this, uh, I want to say, if you're here, because if we're the average, there's over 50% of this congregation have gone through a divorce. And I want to say, do not let that divorce identify you. Because you are not a divorced person. You are a person that went through the pain of divorce and learned from that. And now let it define where you're going, a sense that I'm going to learn from this and become this because of my journey. Can we get an amen on that? Because you are not defined by that in this house, okay? So I want to quickly get into the seven irrefutable laws of the harvest, and irrefutable means that they are absolute. They cannot be added to, and they cannot be changed. 
They are the Word of God. Number one, law number one, we're talking about marriage, talking about relationships. Law one is we will reap only from what has been sown. In the law of agriculture, if seed is not sown into the ground, there cannot be a harvest. I don't have time to go through all these scriptures, but in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, we see the parable of the talents. And, and one man received five talents from the master, another received two, another received one. The man that got five talents went out and sowed them, and he doubled, and he came back with ten. The man with two went out and sowed them. He doubled, came back with four. But the man that only had one talent, he went and hid it. And when he came back, he had nothing to show for it, and the master cursed him and took his talent and gave it to the man that had five. And the lesson we learn in that is you can have the seed in your hand, but if you don't sow it, it produces no harvest. And we got to understand this because women are, are creatures of action and men are creatures of intention. Ladies, if we did everything for you that we intended to, we would be your hero. Because we have great intentions, we just don't know how to put them into action very well. And so we see in Ephesians, read it with me, it says, Be careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The law and the foundation of this law is this, and Pastor Brad used this statement, and I jotted it down Start how you plan to finish. It's something that I shared with him as a teenager in his life. All my kids is, is start your life, start your business, start your career, start your marriage how you plan on finishing it because we are becoming what we will be today for the rest of our lives. You see, only what you sow in your marriage will bring harvest in return. Those little things that don't seem like much today as a young person or middle age, but as we get older, we see the value of them. Those things like holding hands, the hugs, the touches, the flowers, the words of affirmation, intimacy are all seeds that are being sown for a long-term harvest in your marriage. You see, Kathy and I, we have both been extremely intentional in these 43 years of sowing into each other. She doesn't get flowers on Valentine's Day. She gets flowers all throughout the year. She didn't get a massage for her birthday. She gets massages all through the years. Too many probably as I was doing my taxes. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I, I, I remember one time I sent her flowers. We were in New York and we were youngly married, you know, newly married. And we moved to New York three weeks after our marriage started ministry and our marriage in the South Bronx and uh, I sent her flowers to her job, but I told the florist, I said, I want you to take them at the busiest time when everybody's there. I want everybody to see her get them. And they took them in, and, and I heard this from other people that when the flower people went in, they walked in, all the women were going, oh, oh. And they're passing them by, and they got to Kathy's place. She worked at a hospital, and, and they put her on her desk, and she was like, for me. And all the other women were going, ah, that was a good evening in the Livingston's house. I just want you to know. All right. Hey, if you can put that on the screen with chopsticks and other things, all right. 
We write notes on our refrigerator. We have an erase board on the top of our refrigerator. And every morning, because I leave early to go to work, when my wife wakes up, there's a note on there that says, you are awesome, you're amazing, you're beautiful, you're my queen, you're my rock, you're strong, you're healthy, you're loyal, you're my pillar. Every morning she wakes up, there's a word from her husband affirming her saying, I appreciate who you are. And most days when I come in from work, there's another note on there going, you're a stud. I know it's a lie, but it at least makes you feel good. You know what I'm saying? But what are we doing? We're sowing. Because 30 more years from now, we're going to be that old man and woman sitting on a bench with a cane, but we're still going to be intensely in love with each other. You got to sow seed if you're going to reap a harvest. We were in Destin just this past week. We got to wait for a few days, and, and we were walking down the sand. And my wife, she was walking behind me. She got behind me at one point, and it was real, you know, where your feet just dig into the sand, and it was one of the places. And when we got through that, she stopped, and she goes, I'm walking in the footsteps that you've already made in front of me. It's much easier. Men, can I say something to you today? Lead spiritually, emotionally. Physically, lead your wife and let her walk in the footsteps that you're preparing for for her, and it makes your marriage a whole lot easier. We can only reap from what we sow, law number one. Number two is we reap in the same kind as we sow. You don't plant an orange seed and grow an apple tree. The type of seed you sow determines the harvest that you will reap in your relationship. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, this wasn't in my notes, but I thought about it this morning. You, you ever wondered why in Scripture God tells us as a husband and wife or man and a woman to remain, re, refrain from sexual activity until you're married? And I believe that that is a total discipline that God is preparing us for, because if I can't refrain from it before I'm married, what's going to stop me from looking outside of it after I'm married? So this refraining part is a discipline, so that when I do say I do, the temptation outside has no hold on me. That's good. Let's throw an extra in the offering. <laughs> because what you sow, you're going to reap. Sow love, receive love. Sow appreciation, you receive appreciation. Sow affection, you receive affection. Sow grace, you receive grace. Sow anger, and you get anger back. Sow selfishness, you get selfishness back. Sow hostility, you will receive hostility. What you sow, you will reap. And my number one opportunity that I have to sow in my life is not in my portfolio of retirement. It's not in my home as an asset. It's not in the car that I drive. The greatest and strongest and most valuable I have asset I have in my life is my spouse. And what I sow into her or she sows into me is the greatest investment that either one of us can make because what we sow, we will reap. Now, I'm going to throw this in for whatever it's worth. Your children are to be an addition to your marriage, not a replacement for it. Oh, I got some come-ons there. I may need to hang around for a minute. Your date night, your personal long time to just sit and talk. Fun times together, laughing like we heard last week. Intimacy must take priority over everyone else in your home, including your children. 
If not one day, your children will be grown and gone, and now you're going to spend the rest of your life with someone that you haven't sowed into for 18 years. Somebody else had priority over them. If you want a happy long-term marriage, you sow into it now. You sow into it today, not after your children are grown and gone. My time and my investment into my wife has never, ever taken second place to my children. I will die for my children, but I will not let my marriage die for them. You need to write that one down. I will die for my children and my grandchildren, but I will not let my marriage die for them. Because when they're grown and gone, it's that beautiful lady over there I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. She gets my number one investment every day. Are you with me? Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap character. If you sow character, you reap your destiny. My wife and I have lived on this thing called a 20-minute window, and I tell all of the couples when we counsel them, and I encourage you and our staff, we almost enforce this because I ask them how it goes every month when I meet with them as we want to keep our staff healthy and strong. And we, we live on this window that we sit down often and we, we just talk life. We don't talk our children. We don't talk church. We don't talk ministry. We don't talk business. We talk us. How are we doing? And in that, we ask each other a question. We did it on this trip in Destin. And where we ask each other, what am I doing good? And we encourage each other in those things. Then we ask, what can I do better? And we give each other a safe place to talk about a negative situation that could become an issue down the road if we don't discuss it now. And so we're constantly giving each other that opportunity to say, here's where we are doing good. Here's where we can do better because we don't want our marriage to become stagnant. We want these next 20 years to be the greatest years of our life together as a couple and have the most fun, laugh the most we've ever laughed, enjoy each other, and you have to sow intentional seed, and the seed you sow is going to be the harvest that you're going to reap. It's an irrefutable law of the word of God and it works number three y'all with me we reap in a different season than we sow you ever met people we're all guilty right we wait until calamity comes and then pastor Brad I got time for you now we need to meet but see if I'd been sowing Beforehand, you see, you don't sow seed to fix a crisis. You sow seed to prevent one. Do you hear what I said? You don't sow seed to repair a crisis. You sow seed to prevent one. Because you reap in a different season than you sow. Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth endures or remains, seed time and harvest time, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. Your seed time is not your harvest time. When you've got to have an argument, that's not time for flowers. It don't work, guys. I'm just telling you, save the 30 bucks. It don't work. Those flowers come to prevent the argument, not to repair it. Every marriage faces difficult times. We've had them. Believe me, we've had them. My wife's wrong a lot. I felt so good. <laughs> Not really. Anybody who's married knows it's the dude that's always wrong. But anyway, 
But we've been through some stuff. But see, when you've sown seed, when things are going good, there's harvest when things go rough. I remember 1998, I went through the darkest season of my life. 38 years old, was on the peak of ministry, traveling the nation, preaching around the world, and my world collapsed. And a 12-year-old experience came back to haunt me, and it owned me, and I fell into deep depression. I sat on my bed for three nights with a loaded 44 pistol to my head with a hammer pulled back, wanting to die. And it wouldn't pull. That lady on the front row over there in that darkest moment of our life, she watched that husband that preached in front of 5,000, 6,000, 8,000, traveled the nation, preaching on TV, all, all of a sudden become so vulnerable. And yet I can tell you, night after night, I would wake up in a nightmare, and my wife was sitting there with her hand on my head, praying in the spirit over her husband, letting the devil know, you will not have my husband. You will not own him. I remember on Nine Mile Road, we were driving, and that the cloud hit me, and I had a red light. I began to weep, and I began to cry. And from 12 years old to 38 years old, I don't remember ever shedding a tear because of the pain that had been brought to me as a young boy. And I said, nobody will ever make me cry again. And now it was like a fountain opened up. And I sit at that red light weeping and crying. And my wife climbed out over that in that explorer or mountaineer. She climbed over that middle part, sat in my lap and laid hands on my head and began to pray. Lights changing a hundred times, people blowing horn. But there was seed in the ground that said in our dark hour in the moment where most will walk away we're here to fight this thing out we're going to hold on until we endure through this because your harvest always comes after the seed has been sown it's no secret to others we've openly talked about it in 2001 my wife the strongest woman of prayer and faith any of us have ever met she's Satan's worst nightmare when she's in prayer And suddenly out of nowhere, her estrogen left her body and she had a complete mental breakdown. And I watched that strong woman of faith and prayer also become vulnerable. We had her on suicide watch for nine months. We had to have someone with her 24 hours a day. And people ask, well, you know, but what we did is the same thing she did for me. I'm doing for her. We're going to walk through this storm together. We're going to fight this thing together. The enemy will not destroy our relationship. He will not destroy our marriage. He will not have my spouse. He will not have my home. And we walk through that. And God's given me my wife back 100%. And I'm telling you, you're going to go through some stuff. And if you don't have seed in the ground, your marriage will not survive. But if you're putting seed in the ground, sorry, I'm yelling at you. I'm sorry. It's old school. I'm sorry. Being pretty calm, being really, you know. But divorce in America today is largely a part of a result of crisis and tax hitting marriages who haven't put seed in the ground. There's nothing to lean on. But if you've got a harvest waiting for you, you will endure every battle you face. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. When it seems hopeless, keep sowing. When they act like a jerk, keep sowing. When it feels like a waste of time, keep sowing. The ground will open up and your seed will Produce a harvest in due season. Law number four. Got to quickly go. 
we will reap more than we sow. Say, thank God. We will reap more than we sow in, first, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, and I love this part, God is able to bless you abundantly. And in one translation it says, and God is able to make it up to you and more. So that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Reaping more than you sow is a fundamental law in the laws of the harvest. The harvest is always greater than the seed planted. Now, I, I want to stop here for a moment and just talk about this. I believe it, it, it needs to be talked about in the church because the number one cause of divorce in America today is not infidelity. It's financial stress. See? It's stress because of financial struggle. And I just want to jump in here today as a, as a founding pastor and talk to you and say the major key to financial freedom is connecting to God's structure of financial blessing, and that's called the tithe. I, I teach it, preach it with no hesitation because I don't want you robbed from your blessing, and I don't want your family robbed from the favor and the covering of God that he wants to put over your house. When tithing is done by a couple, a married couple or an individual, as an act of obedience and worship, it unlocks the door for God's divine favor and blessing upon your family and your home. And I can stand up here and say today, there is a covering of God's favor and blessing over my family lineage because I had a father and a mother that were avid tithers and givers in obedience to the word of God and did it with joy and thanksgiving. Though we grew up poor, they gave God what was his. It opened up a favor and covering of God upon my life, my siblings, now upon my children and my grandchildren. I started tithing when I picked fruit at 13 years of age. My father took my check and they cashed it. He took 10%, put it in the church and gave me the rest. And I'm going, huh? It ain't that big already, you know what I'm saying? And he goes, this belongs to God. You'll understand it later. And he taught me tithing. And we've taught it to our children and to our grandchildren. And I want to say to you today that when you learn in Luke 6:38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. Which means that shall, men shall give into your bosom. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And I want to say today that if, you, if you're not a tither, I'm not beating you up. I just want to encourage you to try it. The only, thing, only time in Scripture that Jesus said, prove me, is with your tithe. And he said, see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And my wife and I have gone through deep crisis financially, but we've watched God supernaturally show up in every situation. We've watched the favor of God come. And tithing is part of our worship. 
We don't do this. We talk about it. We, we want to know. And because it's part of what we're doing, saying, God, we thank you. We love you. It's a big issue in my house. There were times when we were financially struggling, and my wife manages all of our, our books. And, and, but she would hand me the check to turn in for tithing, and I'd look at it, and I'd go, I know I didn't make that much. That's more than 10% of what I brought home. And I'd go back and talk to her and go, did somebody give us something I didn't know about? She goes, no, I'm tithing on what we need, not what we have. Left that alone. You know what? Today, there's $3 million lake houses that we can go to and stay at anytime we want to. The owners have told us we have the right to walk in it. We have a mansion on the Caribbean in Jamaica that we can go stay at anytime we want to. We've taken our kids and our family there with cooks and drivers, and they just take care of you like kings and queens. We can go anytime we want. I don't have to be a millionaire to live like one. Because the favor of God. And I'm challenging you today, if you want to see your marriage blessed long-term, learn to start participating because the harvest is always larger than the seed that is sown. And God wants to come and bless you and your family. What would it be like for God to start eliminating the financial stress off of your relationships? And it happens supernaturally. And I just want to challenge you. We can tell you stories of houses that we have automobiles that have been given to us with a title in the front seat. Food that has been brought to our house. I, I can tell you a hundred stories of God's provision in my family and in my home. And it's all a result of tithing and giving God what belongs to him. And when the favor of God rests over your house, you're the Joseph, not the Job. That from the pit to the palace, the favor of God remains upon you. Are you with me today? Law number five, we reap in proportion to what we sow. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now look at this, number four, law number four, that's God's part, because only God can multiply. All man can do is sow, right? You with me? So all we can do is take whatever seed that God has given us and we sow it. We sow that 10%. We sow this. We sow that. We sow our love. We sow our joy. Whatever it is, all we can do is sow what we have. But then God takes it and he multiplies it in law number four. Law number five deals with us because we determine how much seed we're going to give God. We determine how much seed we're going to sow into our spouse. And as we look at law number five, we reap in the proportion to what we sow. And so as we look at this, the amount of seeds you sow into your spouse, into your marriage, has a direct effect on the harvest that you receive. You tell your wife you love her once a week. Hmm. My wife hears it like 15 times a day. I ain't lying. She probably turns her phone off. I'm texting her. I'm on 16 foot up a ladder going, thinking about you. Love you. And she does the same with me. You're putting a lot of seed in the ground. You see, marriage is like a retirement account. You can sacrifice and sow into it now and receive all the benefits of it later. Or you can do all the other things you want to do and sacrifice your entire marriage later. And so we come and we, we sow, and according to the proportion that we sow, God takes it and he begins to multiply it and begins to bless into our marriage 
and into our relationship. If you desire to be rich, give. If you desire to be poor, grasp. If you desire to have abundance, scatter it. If you desire to be needy, hoard it up. These facts affect every aspect of our lives, finances, our marriage, our relationships. In 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 5, Paul said, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability they gave. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in their service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first to all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. My question to you today is, and obviously that's dealing with tangible things, but my question today is, what if we did this in our marriage? What, what if we exceeded the expectation of our spouse? in sowing seed into that relationship? What, what if we blew their mind and gave things and did things and said things that, that was beyond what they expected to hear or receive from us, that above our ability we begin to push and, and give and sow into our marriage and into our relationship? Don't allow your relationship and your marriage to even fit into that survival mentality. We're just going to hold on and make it until we die. No, no, no. We're going to thrive in the last years of our marriage. We're going to thrive in the last years of our life. She's still going to be my best friend. She's my queen. And, and, and hopefully I'm her king. She tells me. You see, what would happen if we were so intentional that we invested as much as we were able to into our marriage and beyond our ability, what would it change? Law number six. We reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. The evil comes to harvest on its own. We reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. The evil comes to harvest on its own. I got to quickly enclose in Galatians 6. It says, let us not lose heart. How many knows that that's, that's not hard to do in a marriage when things aren't going really, really well? Don't let us lose heart. Don't become weary in doing good. For in due time, the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those belonging to the family of believers. If you're going to do good to anybody, it ought to be your spouse. And we have to persevere. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? He takes two people that are total opposite, puts them in one house, and says, get along with each other. I don't know if it's a man thing or just my wife thing, but, you know, it's like you come into the, the kitchen and you go, honey, I just got a text. They said, John, uh, please, please, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Was he okay? I, I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Was he at the hospital? I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Well, was Don and the children with him? I don't know. I just got a text that said, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Well, were the people in the other car hurt? I don't know. I got a text that said, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Well, well, you don't know anything, do you? I know I got a text that said, please pray for John. He was in a bad wreck. Is that just my house or is that a female thing? And the son over there is going, amen. <laughs> Can I tell you, marriages work. It's like a garden. For you to have the good in it, you got to go till the ground. You got to plant the seed. You got to fertilize it. You got to keep going to pull the weeds out. 
You got to take care of it for it to produce. Am I right? Those weeds just show up. You don't have to do anything. They just happen. And if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you got to persevere and keep doing all the right things and your harvest will come. Lastly, and I close with this. Number seven, the last years of harvest are over. Last year's harvest is over. The potential of this year's harvest is right before us. Last year's harvest is over. The potential of this year's harvest is right in front of us. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I'm forgetting that which is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to the win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, none of us can change last year. God, I wish I could go back and change things on being a father and a husband, but I can't. But I can be intentional in what I'm going to do this year and make sure that I'm going to sow the right and the proper seed into my marriage and into my relationship. That story that I started this message with today about that hot young girl with tan legs and white shorts and blonde hair, she's not just hot today. That's a word I, we joke around with, but she's beautiful. She's amazing. She's dynamic and she's awesome because I've had 42 years to live with her and see the value and how special and priceless that she is into my life. I can't imagine life without her. And I have the honor of calling her my wife and my best friend. And may we as couples and families take every message that Pastor Brad has given us on this series and take every truth that he has invested into us and in 223 make this year a year of sowing and knowing that I'm sowing into the greatest asset that I have and that's my spouse my marriage, and 223 is going to be a year of seed sown in the ground that I'm going to see a long-term relationship that's truly going to be till death do us part. In Jesus' name. You receive God's word? In Jesus' name. Very simple message today, but I want to pray over you. And I want to ask God to let this year be a year of sowing and a year of harvesting in your marriage. In Jesus' name. Father, we come to you now. God, I just pray right now over this congregation. I thank you for everyone in this room, God. And I pray in the simplicity of this message that, God, you will take it along with the other messages that we've heard from Pastor Brad and that we will be very intentional and that this year, God, will be a year, Father, that we recognize that my marriage is my greatest asset. I will defend it, cover it, protect it, sow into it, nourish it, make sure it's healthy and strong with every fiber within me. And I pray over our marriages right now, Transformation Church, that God, this year will be a year that we watch our families flourish, our marriages flourish, that God, your favor, your grace, your blessing will rest upon each one in Jesus' name. According to your word, we declare it and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we go to for Pastor Dan, guys? Thank you. I'll say this quickly. You know, I've grown up in a household where I've watched this modeled. 
I know for many of you, that wasn't the case. Maybe you didn't have the greatest picture of marriage. You didn't always have the greatest idea, concept, imagery. Um, You didn't always have the greatest principles put in front of you. But I promise you, if you'll take these seven things and put them into practice and how you care for one another, what you do with your finances, all those things, I promise you, God will do something amazing on the other side. And so let's, man, let's make 2023, like Pastor Dan said, let's make 2023 the year that we see God's favor show up in an even greater way. You guys with me on that? In Jesus' name. I want to invite you guys to close your eyes one more time. As we get ready to close out today, if you're you're here today and you say, you know, I, I, I love Pastor Dan's message, but if I were honest today, I want to do things a godly way, but the only way I can do things a godly way is to know God. And today, I know about God, but I don't know him. I know that there's some things in my life that are separated me from him, but today I'm ready to, to know him. And the beauty of the gospel is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for those sins that separated all of us from God. And today, if you want to be saved, all you have to do, the Bible says, is we come and we put our faith in Jesus our belief that when he died, he paid for our sins. But today, we want to pray a prayer that puts words to that faith. And today, if that's you, if you're in this place or you're watching online, you're saying, Pastor Brad, I, I, need, I just need God to, I need to be close to him. I need to know him, and I need to be saved. We want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And the whole church is going to pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. So let's pray today. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive you my sins. Forgive you my wrongs. Make me clean and make me whole. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that. Perhaps for the first time, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.Life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.